Welcome to this podcast from Central, Jesus at the Heart. More information is available from www.jesusattheheart.org. We are so delighted to have a friend with us uh, this evening. Um, his name is Pete, Pete Gregg, um, who uh, leads an organization called 24-7 Prayer, leads a church in Guildford, is involved in a whole stack uh, of things. And it's an incredible privilege to have him because he's a busy guy, sought after, international speaker, male model, the whole business. And, uh, and we're just delighted to have him with us. So I'd love you to give him a massive central round of applause. Welcome him up. And, uh, So Pete, um, just tell us a little bit about you, because um, you know, it's easy to have a, a persona, people recognize you, even in the airport apparently today, people recognize you, um, but we'd love to know who are you, family, married, kids, what gets you out of bed in the morning, what are your passions? Who wants to hear Carl sing again? <laughs> <laughs> uh, yes, yeah, several. Um, it's not exactly X Factor yeah. here, is it? Um, I, uh, which is really? a good thing. I, yeah, I, I'm married to Sam, uh, who's a girl, and um, <laughs> has to be clear these days. And we have uh, two sons and a Labradoodle called Noodle. Uh, I've got a 1964 Morris Minor convertible called uh, Little Mo. And. Um, yeah, I'm involved with leading 24-7 prayer around the world and uh, a community called Emmaus Road in Guildford. And um, it's coffee that gets me out of bed in the morning. Wow. So uh, lots of people here will have heard of 24-7 prayer. Many people will be involved in prayer rooms and uh, read books about. But lots of people here will have never heard of 24-7 prayer. In the words of my teenage daughter, what even is it? What even is it? Uh, so... The best way to explain 24-7 is to tell you the story. The story, very quickly, is this. Uh, we had just planted our second church. We were high on activity. We were doing lots of stuff. We are growing fast, quite innovative, but we realized we were very spiritually shallow. We realized the key to really everything else in the Christian life is prayer. It is that encounter with God. And uh, we were so bad at it. So we decided to try and pray nonstop for a month. We weren't trying to start a, start a movement. We were just trying to learn to pray because we were so bad at it. And um, the thing went viral. Miracles happened. Angels turned up in a prayer room. People got healed. Atheists encountered God. It's just amazing things. It went viral. Um, hasn't stopped. We've been praying nonstop uh, for 15 years. We're in over 100 countries. And now there's a whole network of uh, missional monastic communities around the world called Boiler Rooms. Uh, and then lots of sort of uh, mercy ministries and new missions that have been planted out of the prayer. So the whole thing's an accident. We never quite know where it's going to go next, but it's been the ride of our lives. Wow. We're really looking forward to hearing from God's word and some of your story in just a, just a moment. If, if there was one thing that you could say to, I mean, you've got, I don't know, three or four hundred mostly young people in this, in this room. I still count myself as young, so I've got a young voice, I'm thinking. Um, I think you're in good shape. I'm pretty good shape. You're doing all right, Carl. Thanks. To be honest, for a man of your age, you're looking all right. (laughs) Mm. Once again, let's not go there. Um, uh, Tell me, you've got an opportunity to speak to 400 young people. What what is it you would say to us as a church and as beginning to think about a movement? And um, what is it God's stirring on your heart to say to us right now? 
you know, a couple of things. The first thing is um, rage against the beige. You know, do not just get sucked into mediocrity. This is a time, I think, like no other, where it's very easy to drift with market forces or with career expectations or with debt or with all sorts of things. And I think we need a high level of intentionality, which really simply means take God very seriously indeed and don't take yourself too seriously. Um, be willing as part of that to really commit to places and to people because I watch more and more people who are in danger of missing their life uh, one or two years at a time because they're never willing to make commitments beyond that and in our fear of ever being trapped and settling down uh, we will end up missing the big picture be willing to commit to places and to people long term and you'll change the world be afraid of doing those things and you just scratch the surface so be willing to commit be highly intentional and have as much fun as you possibly can along the way the life brings suffering it will bring pain Jesus told us that Uh, But joy is not inevitable. So pursue joy, laugh a lot, have as much fun as you can. You all know Christians who forgot to do that somewhere along the line. And uh, your job is to make sure there's as much joy as possible. Life will bring the suffering and somewhere in the middle of it you'll meet Jesus. Thank you so much. Pete, one of the things we we love to do when we have guest speakers is is honour and pray for them. Um, uh, the way in which we honour is, uh, is we applaud. There is this passage of scripture in Hebrews 11 which talks about the heroes of faith. And uh, you know, I, I like to think in my best moments I might make a, you know, a verse at some stage in the later, you know, probably that's arrogant, but, but I want that to be true. And, and I think it may be true of you and what you're doing and, and certainly your wife. Um, and uh, we want to honour that. And I think there is an applause in heaven that, that happens when, uh, when people do great things and people... Don't do great things, but do, do seriously courageous things um, for the sake of Christ. And so we want to applaud that and, and honor you. And then what we're going to do is we're going to pray for you. Um, so what we're going to do in a moment is you're going to raise the roof and say, God, we are so grateful for this guy and for what has happened in and through his life. Sometimes intentionally, sometimes accidentally, God's just blessed you and, and, and that's great. And so we honor you. And then secondly, we're going to do what we do at Central, gather some folks around, lay hands on you and bless you. And then you're going to deliver the word of God for us if that's okay i love that thank you let's let's give this guy some honor and give god praise and honor for what for what he is he is doing bless you bless you bless you bless you bless you is that it So we're grateful, um, we're grateful to God for you and for what you bring, and uh, we're going to pray for you. So guys, if, you, if you'd love to just come out and lay hands, if you can't come out, reach out a hand. It's just um, symbolic of you participating in this prayer. Come and lay hands on Pete, but do so appropriately and, and gently. Let's do that. Let's pray God's blessing on him. Let's pray God's blessing on 24-7, and particularly on his family, particularly on his kids. Um, and now it's sometimes hard to, uh, to be the kids um, and uh, just ask God's blessing. Let's pray. Go for it.
So Lord Jesus, we thank you for Pete. Thank you for what he stands for. I pray, um, Lord, for courage. I pray for fresh courage. I pray for a fresh anointing of courage. And I pray for courage and wisdom in equal measure. Twin gifts of courage and wisdom. I pray that you'd have wisdom to know where to be courageous, when to speak, when to not to speak, when to move, when to stand still. I pray for wisdom and courage in this season. And I pray that the Lord would bless you, Pete, and keep you and be gracious unto you and lift up the light of his countenance upon you and give you peace. And I pray for your kids and your wife. I pray for Sammy. I pray for the protection of heaven. I pray for the joy of heaven for your family. I pray that everything that they give up would be uh, counted to them double because you're a gracious and merciful, compassionate and generous God. So bless them, bless them and prosper their family. We ask this in the name of Jesus and for his glory. Amen. Amen. Well, thank you very much indeed for that amazing and generous uh, welcome. Thank you, Carl. Uh, thank you all. It's so lovely to uh, be with you all. I love this church. I'm kind of cheering you on, uh, sadly, often from afar. And, um, I, you know, I, I, I've just been so looking forward to being here uh, with you. And you're, you're part of the great story of what God is doing in this city and in this nation. And uh, at times you, you may be just caught up in the excitement of that. At times you may think, is this it? But I, I, I want to say to you as someone coming in from outside that when I look at what God is doing amongst you, the story that he's unfolding, the relationships that he's building, the faith that is growing, the battles that you fought and won, and when I see what the Holy Spirit is doing and the ministries that are emerging and the gifts that are manifesting amongst you, then I, I see a work of the kingdom. And I'm reminded of Jesus saying, I will build my church. The gates of hell will not prevail against it. Uh, you know, God is not insecure around atheists. You know, he's not worried about postmodernity. This is a, an opportunity. This is a time uh, in which the church of Jesus can move forward. And I see you guys right at the heart of all of that. And uh, I, as I say, coming in from the outside, I just want to cheer you on and say uh, thank you. And um, those of you who uh, have read Carl's terrific book, uh, published by Muddy Pearl, and uh, I'm not going to ask for hands up. And those of you who actually not only read his book, but read the foreword, which almost no one ever does, uh, will know I had the privilege of writing that. And in that, I, I talk about, about this bag. And uh, this sums up uh, what I love about your leaders uh, here. Because um, I think it was in 2012, I was uh, here speaking at your old venue. And I was admiring this terrific bag that Carl had from Scaramanga and saying, now where did you get that? And, you know, I've been looking for one like that for ages. And I genuinely wasn't fishing for anything. And he just immediately inverted his handbag and uh, just everything fell out, his mascara, his lipstick, everything came out. 
and, and, and he just handed it to me. He said, Pete, it's yours. And I was like, no, 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 I wasn't asking for it. I was just asking where you got it, Carl. And he said, he, he absolutely insisted. And uh, I think the next time I saw him, he was carrying all his stuff around in a, in a plastic bag. Uh, and, and that, to me, sums up just the big-heartedness and the spontaneity, the generosity of, of Carl and Nikki and of this church and your desire not just to exist for yourselves, but for this city and for uh, the nation. And uh, so I just love to see all that God is doing amongst you, your vision for mission through the missional communities, uh, uh, the wonderful things that are being birthed at the moment around Cairn and the vision around, around that, and of course, Jesus at the center. Prayer right at the heart of everything. Prayer as where it all begins and actually where it all uh, ends. And I'm so grateful that uh, you've shown hospitality to Crystal uh, and, and the 24-7 Scotland uh, vision uh, now based here with you guys. And I just thought I'd show you a couple of snaps. People always want to know a little bit of what's happening 24-7. I'm not going to, this isn't my talk, but I'll just show you. Uh, this is one of our new prayer rooms. Do you like it? It's a 1,400-year-old Swiss Benedictine monastery. They've just signed up to do 24-7 prayer. Anyone fancy going to visit that one? Yeah. Uh, so that, that, that's exciting. And then just to uh, help you understand sort of the diversity here, here's another of our current prayer rooms. Uh, yeah, this is in Ireland, Northern Ireland. It is a caravan, and it's driving up and down the peace line uh, through this 100 days of 100-year celebration. There they are at a police station, little mobile tabernacle. So from tiny little grotty caravans in Ireland to great Benedictine monasteries in Switzerland, God is calling his people to pray. And at the heart of relationship with God is a conversation with God. And without prayer, we're just in the business of marketing and prop- propagating a religion perspective but when there's prayer at the heart of it we are operating out of relationship with God and we find out it is not by might not by power but by the spirit of God that things take place and so uh, I love to be with you I love to see that heart in you we're going to look together at Colossians chapter 1 I didn't know that uh, Carl was going to read that earlier but we're going to look at Colossians 1, 3 to 12, and it's going to be in the message translation of the Bible. So it's going to come up on the screens in case you don't have the message version uh, on you. So here we are, Colossians 1, 3 to 12. Our prayers for you are always spinning over into thanksgivings. We can't quit thanking God our Father and Jesus our Messiah for you. We keep getting reports on your steady faith in Christ, our Jesus, and the love that you continuously extend to all Christians. The lines of purpose in your lives never grow slack, tightly tied as they are to your future in heaven, kept taut by hope. Our prayers for you are always spilling over into thanksgivings. We can't quit thanking God our Father and Jesus our Messiah for you. We keep getting reports on your steady faith in Christ our Jesus and the love you continuously extend to all Christians. I'm reading this again, aren't I? This is doubled up. I do beg your pardon. I'm going to do it off the screens. Uh, taught by hope. Next one. Here we go. The message is as true among you today as when you first heard it. It doesn't diminish or weaken over time. It is the same all over the world. 
The message bears fruit and it gets larger and stronger just as it has in you. From the very first day that you heard and recognized the truth of what God is doing, you've been hungry for more. It's as vigorous in you now as when you learnt it from our friend and close associate Epaphras. He is one reliable worker for Christ. I could always depend on him. He's the one who told us how thoroughly love had been worked into your lives by the Spirit. (coughs) Be assured that from the very first day that we heard of you, we haven't stopped praying for you. Asking God to give you wise minds and spirits attuned to his will and so acquire a thorough understanding of the ways in which God works. We pray that you'll live well for the Master, making him proud of you as you work hard in his orchard. As you learn more and more how God works, you will learn how to do your work. We pray that you'll have the strength to stick it out over the long haul, not the grim strength of gritting your teeth, but the glory strength that God gives. It is strength that endures the unendurable and spills over into joy, thanking the Father who makes us strong enough to take part in everything bright and beautiful that he has for us. I chose this uh, passage for you because it captures so much of my heart for you as a church. And I just want to try and draw a few lessons out of it for us individually as well but first of all verse 3 I do pray for you with thanksgiving verse 10 I do see that you are working hard in God's orchard with uh, missional communities amongst surfers and international students and sex workers and children and young people and particular areas of the city and running Alpha and Christians Against Poverty and uh, Group from Teen Challenge here from tonight. The list goes on and on. Uh, Spending yourselves, serving the Lord uh, together. I'm reminded of that famous letter that the Emperor Julian wrote to one of the pagan high priests in the uh, 4th century where he complained that Christians were showing up the pagan uh, religion uh, by caring for the poor. And um, I long for the day when people start to complain that the churches are, are, are doing such a great job of caring for those who are broken, of making a difference in society, that it's almost putting others out of work because we are taking the lead in that kind of way. And I know, therefore, that you are working hard. But notice, uh, Paul says, the message is bearing fruit. It is getting larger and stronger all the time. Your father is proud of you. In a world where billions of people ignore him or deny his existence, even the very fact that you're here at church tonight, let alone the choices you make privately. I know you mess up. I know you make mistakes. I know we could all always do more and pray more. But you must understand the love and the gratitude in the heart of the Father towards each one of you. I... um, I, I, I kind of get frustrated with all sorts of silly little things. And, um, you know, I get, I get really frustrated with people who put um, pictures of food on, on Facebook because uh, it just never looks nice. Uh, I get frustrated with people who drive too slowly in their cars in front of me. 
Uh, my wife will tell you. I also get frustrated with people who drive too fast in cars behind me. I am uh, the only person who drives at a perfect speed at all uh, given moments. And, uh, you know, I, one of my pet frustrations as a, a church leader is, and by the way, your guys on the video screens are just doing the most brilliant job tonight, but when the lyrics uh, on songs just l- lag behind the singing, do you, have you ever had that? It's a never. Okay, that's good to know. Um, that, that frustrates me. And um, I, I, the thing is, you'll see me in the front row there, apparently lost in wonder, love, and praise. But in reality, I'm just thinking, how difficult can it be to press a button? The person back there thinks no one is looking at them, and yet actually everyone can tell that they're playing Candy Crush Saga right now. You know what I mean? It's like I'm so frustrated, but I'm like, oh, Jesus, you know. And... Um, so the other day, um, I had a, a kind of a breakthrough in this area because uh, that particular day, the, the, the screens were worse than ever, if I'm really honest. Uh, quite often, the, 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 the lyrics were just probably about a second behind the singing. At one point, completely the wrong song came up on the screens. And yet I was just full of grace. I was unbelievably magnanimous. And, and, and the key to this spiritual breakthrough in my life is that it was my son Daniel's first ever time working the screens. And I knew he'd got up early and had a high-protein breakfast to prepare himself for the task that morning. And if, if you'd said to me, honestly, how difficult can it be to press that button, I'd have probably smacked you and said, he's trying his best, all right. The difference is that it was my boy on the screens if God is just some divine entity we're all in trouble but if he truly is your father in heaven and he regards you in that way that I regard my kids only better then with all your mistakes and all your trying to get it right and sometimes getting it wrong you must understand his heart is one of grace towards you he's not against you he's on your side he is your biggest fan and so hear me when I say that the Lord looks on what God is what he is doing in this church and he is cheering you on and St. Paul calls the Colossians to continue in that approval from God he says Uh, Don't move forward in the grim strength of gritting your teeth, but in the glory strength that God gives. And he says the result of moving forward in God's strength is that there is endurance and thanksgiving and joy even in the trials. It may be that if you're honest with some of the challenges that you're facing right now, you feel like you've lost a little bit of your joy. You're gritting your teeth. You're not experiencing God's power working through you the way that you used to do. And he says, come and let me just fill you again. Do this in my strength. So I'm saying that um, there's just wonderful fruit amongst you. There's uh, fruit dropping off you all over the place. Anyone here like grapes? Are we allowed to do this inside? Oh, just took someone's eye out. But what a way to lose your eye, in fairness. 
before they really are, they're lovely. Grapes vary greatly, don't they? These are genuinely quite sweet. So there's wonderful fruit and all of these could be different things, right? All sorts of fruit that you're seeing in your own lives. You could probably say, I think God might be doing this, or God's just shown me that, or God help me in this area. Or, 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 or there was something encouraging last week, a conversation I had, a breakthrough at work. And then you can, as a church, start to list the, the, the fruit that you're seeing, the growth, those coming to Christ, those who are broken, who are being helped, young people are being trained up. There is good fruit amongst you. And uh, when you've got fruit, we tend to think that's the end game. My mother actually genuinely told me never to speak with my mouth full. And I'm massively disobeying her right now. There's two ways you can go when you've got fruit. You can either turn it into um, a raisin. Anyone like raisins? You're getting almost a full meal here. Yes. <laughs> Um, there's nothing wrong with raisins I like raisins, they're sweet you know, I mean they're not, they're, they're not the most exciting thing in anyone's life are they, but you know, there's a place in the world for raisin and then the other way that it can go <laughs> is into a really decent red wine You guys, there's lots of fruit, but I believe that what the Lord is doing is creating a vintage amongst you. And the difference is two things, time and pressure. Time and pressure. Firstly, of course, it takes time to make a good wine. And often... Because God seems to work slowly, we think he's forgotten us or that we've somehow been bypassed. Time isn't an easy thing to handle. At times when things are going slowly, we get frustrated. Getting older can be difficult. I'm at that stage, I just spend most of my time driving our kids around and... um, the other day, both kids were out at a friend's house. And it was late. And it was cold. It was, <coughs> excuse me. It was about eleven thirty at night, and uh, they asked me to come and pick them up. And I, I, I was wearing my slippers, and I just thought, do you know what? I don't want to put my shoes on. I, I'm going to go and collect the kids in my slippers. And so I walked into uh, their, uh, the friend's house, and one of my boys saw my slippers and. He said, oh, Dad, that's so embarrassing. And the other one looked at my slippers and said, Dad, that's way cool. (laughs) He said, I can't wait to be old enough to let myself go like that. (laughs) (laughs) So he walked home. So, (laughs) aging isn't always easy. The passage of time is often difficult. There's a beautiful book by an author called Kasuki Koyama called The Three Mile an Hour God. Listen to what he says. I find that God goes slowly in his educational processes of man. Forty years in the wilderness points to his basic educational philosophy. 
40 years of natural migration through the wilderness, three generations of the united monarchy, 19 kings of Israel, 20 kings of Judah, the hosts of the prophets and priests, the experience of exile and restoration. Isn't this rather a slow and costly way for God to let his people know the covenant relationship between God and man? God walks slowly because he is love. If he is not love, he would, not, he would have gone much faster. Love has its speed. It is an inner speed. It is a spiritual speed. It is a different kind of speed from the technological speed to which we are accustomed. It is slow, yet it is lord over all the other speeds since it is the speed of love. It goes on in the depth of our life, whether we notice it or not, whether we are currently hit by storm or not, at three miles an hour. It is the speed that we walk, and therefore it is the speed that the love of God walks. We want a 70 mile an hour God, and he walks, and calls us to walk in step with his spirit. And so we look around at the fruit and we see it and we celebrate it. And it's not everything that we long for. It's not everything that we dream of. It's not the answer to all our prayers yet. But it is a start. It's the beginning. It is the hope. It is the spark that will create the fire. And so we're called in the spiritual life to learn patience. We're called in prayer to practice perseverance. You may know that lovely story told by (coughs) D.L. Moody about two Christian women who had unbelieving husbands and they agreed to spend one hour together each day in prayer for their husband's salvation. And they kept that up for seven years and then eventually they said, is this really worth it? Is it really working? Our prayers seem useless. And they decided to continue praying until the day they died. That's perseverance right there. Three years later, that's after ten years of prayer, one of the ladies was awakened in the middle of the night by her husband who was in great distress. In the morning, she couldn't get to her friend's house fast enough to tell her friend what had happened, but met her halfway on the same errand. That same night, the other woman's husband had also woken up in great distress and they had both given their lives to Christ. Ten years of united, persevering prayer crowned with the conversion of both husbands on the same day. And so in the spiritual life and in prayer, we are called to keep stacking dominoes. To keep praying that prayer you prayed many times before until eventually the breakthrough comes to keep walking even when we're longing for wine and we've only got grapes to celebrate the small and allow that to give you faith for the big time is one of the things that will turn the good fruit that we're all enjoying into something even more precious the second thing that will turn a grape of course into wine is pressure They've got to be squeezed. Raisins are just left out to dry in the sun. These have to be juiced. 
And of course, it is often when God brings pressure that we are refined. We all know that. It doesn't make it easy, but we know that it is true. The church in Colossae, to which uh, Paul was writing, was going through enormous pressure. There were uh, as a cluster of three cities in that part of the world at the time. Uh, there was um, Colossae, and then there was Laodicea, and there was another city called Hierapolis. And uh, what had happened was that Hierapolis and Laodicea had, had done a deal with each other and built a highway between them, which was bypassing, literally bypassing Colossae. And as a result, uh, the Colossians had been this big, uh, materially wealthy, successful central city, and then suddenly their two neighbors with whom they used to trade bypassed them, and they began to get left behind economically, culturally, relationally, and so on. This was the great north-south road to Ephesus. And so Paul is writing to a church in a city that is economically and socially depressed. They understand pressure. Paul himself, as you probably know, is writing this letter from prison. He understands what pressure is like. I was deeply moved to receive this photograph of a 24-7 prayer room recently. It's not the most uh, proficient photograph you've ever seen, Um, so forgive me, but the caption just took my breath away because with this photograph came the message that said, ISIS have moved into our neighborhood and are killing the brothers. This is a 24-7 prayer tent in in a particular part of the Middle East. And uh, I know that they are traveling under sniper fire to to do their shifts in the prayer room. And there are bombs that they can hear going off as they pray. Deeply moving. Deeply challenging. I think of the excuses I sometimes can make. People under pressure yet being refined. Maybe you are feeling all sorts of pressures in your own life right now, in your own circumstances. Maybe there's stress around exams or around money or around health or around relationships, family, work. How are we to handle pressure and stress so that it turns us into a fine wine and not just a pot of raisins? Let me tell you a little story. So uh, all my childhood holidays were up here in Scotland. Of those, you can hear from my accent. I grew up in England. My mum's Scottish. She uh, was from a little village called Kilmacombe and then studied here in Edinburgh at the university and then taught at Perth Academy and so on. And so my relatives are mostly up here. And uh, I remember one year driving up the M6, I guess it would have been, or the M1, uh, in our Volvo estate car uh, to come to Scotland. And it was summertime and the windows were down on the car and we were zooming up the motorway when suddenly smoke began to come out of the bonnet and my mum pulled over 
and we got out and as we opened the bonnet there was just fire uh, in our, uh, our car and uh, what it emerged was this my dear old mum who's wonderful at so many things in life but has not been massively gifted in the area of driving uh, had been driving at 70 miles an hour for quite a while not in fourth gear but in second gear and and because the windows were down, she couldn't hear the engine screaming as she drove along. And eventually, the big end went and the whole thing uh, just uh, caught fire. Some of us uh, know what that feels like, to be in the wrong gear. Massive pressure. Maybe you feel like your engine is screaming. The speed is unsustainable. If anyone ever comes and says, you've got to do a little bit more, you've got to give a little bit more, you've got to try a little bit harder, you think you might explode because they have no idea how much pressure you are feeling right now. The good news of the kingdom is this, that when you are feeling that kind of pressure, that you've got no more bandwidth and no more capacity, you can still change gear. You can still realign yourself relationally or economically or geographically or culturally in such a way that you can go faster with less effort. And so when we're under vast pressure, sometimes it's appropriate to sit down with friends, maybe in your missional community, be honest about the pressures that you're feeling. And look at whether there are any simple changes that you can make that won't make the pressures go away, but will enable you to handle those pressures uh, in a way that is more sustainable. I got to this place a couple of years ago. I was doing three jobs. I was director of prayer for HTB Alpha. I was leading 24-7 and I was running a church that was growing quite fast. And uh, it was just too much. And I, I just realized I, I, I don't want to live this busy. Something's got to go. And um, I went away on retreat to ask God which one I should stop. And I, I, I could, I, you know, every, I kept going around in circles. If I stopped one, then it had that positive, but that negative. And I just couldn't find the answer to the question. I was going around and around. I told God he had to jolly well sort my problem out. And eventually, God spoke to me very, very clearly. Uh, someone had a very simple picture for me who didn't know my circumstance. And um, the picture was of me holding the, um, the, the tiller of a, a, a ship going through the, the, the ocean, and it was very, very stormy. And the word that came with this picture was simply this. God says, hold your nerve, son. Hold your nerve, son. Hold your nerve, son. And I went to God and said, that doesn't help me. I want to know which of the three I should stop. And you're just saying, hold your nerve, son. But here's the really weird thing. In that revelation, the knowledge that God was saying, keep this course, keep strong, hold your nerve. In that revelation, I found new strength. And I returned from that retreat with nothing having changed outwardly but with new energy and hope. Sometimes you cannot change your circumstance, but you can change your relationship to your circumstance. 
We always think the solution is to change the circumstance. But there can be a whole bunch of reasons you can't. But you can always change your relationship to your circumstance. So you can know more of the peace and the joy and the strength of God. And we need our friends to help us do that. We need the Lord to show us what he's doing. And funnily enough, a number of months later, God then came in and told me which of the three I was supposed to stop. And I did. That's been wonderful. But for a season, I just had to stick it out. But there's all the difference in the world, sticking something out on your own, in your own strength, as we read, and sticking something out when you know that God is with you in the situation, helping you. Wait on the Lord, says Isaiah, and he will renew your strength. And so just as we draw this together, and we're going to take communion in a moment, I wonder if for some of us here this evening, we are feeling the pressure of time. We are feeling the stress and the fear of being bypassed like Colossae. We maybe feel like the engine is straining under the bonnet and we know we need to make some realignments relationally. Maybe there's an unhealthy relationship. Or economically, maybe checking on to CAP and getting some debt counselling. Downsizing. Or maybe there's some spiritual and even theological realignments. I wonder if some of us, if we're honest, we're being fruitful. We're caught up in stuff. We're doing good stuff. But we know that we're doing it with gritted teeth. And we need to come back to doing it in God's strength. I wonder if some of us, we're just feeling the frustration of the fact that God walks at three miles an hour. And we need fresh grace just to persevere, to keep stacking prayers like dominoes, to walk in step with the Spirit. In a moment, we'll be coming to the Lord's table, and I would encourage you to come to the table with those burdens, to take the greatest wine. I don't think it's literal wine here, but it is the wine of communion. To take the greatest wine that was ever given to the greatest pressure imaginable, and to say, God, here is my stress. Here is my pressure. Here are my fears of being forgotten. Here are the ways in which I feel bypassed. Here are the things that I'm finding difficult. You know, Lord God, I'm giving everything and I've got a bunch of grapes and it's nice, but it's not enough. Would you please turn the fruit in my life into something infinitely more beautiful and special? It may be that even in taking communion today, what you're going to do is say, God, I accept the fact that you work slowly. I'm frustrated. I'd like the miracle today. But I'm going to embrace your speed and I'm going to even embrace this pressure and ask you to turn it into something more beautiful, to bring resurrection from death. And then uh, just before we uh, do that, we might want to pray for one or two people. I I also, um, you know, as I was praying for you, I had a a, a simple picture. And it it was kind of an aerial view 
and I'm not sure of all the right geographical terms, but I saw this great big river, and um, it, it split into two, and then the two split into four, and then it kept splitting until there was just hundreds of tiny little rivers coming out of this one big river, and all these little islands that had been created, and then I could see uh, all these rivers just seeping into this bright, shining ocean. I think it's a delta or an isthmus, but I'm not quite sure. But someone will come and tell me afterwards, I'm sure. But I saw that. I want you to imagine that. And I said to the Lord, okay, what is this? What are you showing me here? And he said to me, this is what I'm doing with Central. There's been this big river, and I'm going to bring multiplication like they wouldn't believe. There are, there's going to be massive diversification and multiplication and just an extraordinary increase in the number of rivers and in the reach of what you're doing. There'll still be the big river flowing in, but I see hundreds of little rivers coming out of this church. A new diversity, new ministries, new shapes. Some of you know what that river is for you. you. There's a clear call. There's a clear vision. It may be to the missional community. It may be something that you're not even doing right now. There's calls into the media and into medicine and into education, into fostering. There are calls into politics. There are calls into church planting. There are calls into prayer and worship. There's calls into the prophetic and supernatural. There's calls into social transformation. There's just multiple callings. And by just hanging out with this church, what you're going to find is that the Spirit of God begins to drop new fruit and stir up new giftings in you. You know, you cannot be more full of the Holy Spirit than the community of which you're a part. And this is a community that is full of the Spirit. And so as you spend time with the remarkable people here, you're going to grow and become more than you could ever be on your own. And so we're going to see more and more ministries that are starting to emerge and more and more innovation and, uh, and relocation and multiplication and diversification. And the Lord just says, don't be afraid of that process. The big, strong river is still flowing in. And so I, I just see this. I see this as even a, like an 18-month window when that multiplication is, is particularly beginning to take place. And you're going to look back within two years and just go, oh yeah, we see it. And the Lord says, this is me, don't be afraid. But I'm doing something here that is not just about being one river that some people can jump into. This is about a whole family of rivers that's going to flow right out to the sea. And so, uh, Lord Jesus, we just pray for that to take place. And I wonder if we could just stand together now. It'd be great. And... Um, here we go. First of all, I think we should give this to Carl and Nikki. Don't, you're not allowed to use this for communion. You, you've got to use this in some other capacity. So let's just, let's just, let's just um, thank Carl and Nikki for their leadership and honour these guys too. And then, (laughs) 
And then what I'd love you to do, please, it'd be great to get the musicians back as well, if that's all right. But if, as I, as I talk about all these different tributaries, all these different rivers, if you've got a strong sense of what that river is for you. And, and uh, let me say this, actually, there's some of you, there's a real calling to be part of the main river. If you like, there's a calling just to build the mothership here. But there's others of you that are called to move. Uh, you, you don't even know where yet, but you sense that. Some of it's geographically, some of it's culturally. But, but to take what's flowing in here and carry it out to multiple locations in different contexts, to irrigate an entire plain with the gospel and with the good things God's doing here. If you have some sense that you know what that is for you, what God is calling you to, there's some sense of his uh, specific guidance on your life, some gifts and ministries and passions he's stirring within you. Uh, And it might not be the time to do it yet, but you're pretty sure you know what it is. I'm not going to ask you to go into details, but I'd love you just to, where you are right now, I'd love you just to raise your hands. And by the way, there's also some people, it's a very clear calling to, to prayer in this place. I'm not just saying this because that's one of my big things, but there's a massive calling even on Anna's and Simeon's in this room. There's someone here, an older person actually. You don't even normally come to this service, but there's a calling that's been stirring within you. There's emotion that's coming that you haven't even felt for years and years. It's like a new springtime in your life, and you've been saying to the Lord, this is the wrong timing. Uh, for a springtime in my life. But uh, there's something new that's stirring, even with the baptism of the Holy Spirit. And, and it's a calling to interse- intercede and pray. And all I know is with the multiplication that is coming, if there isn't a, a, a strong community stoking the flames, a strong community right at the heart, the thing will dissipate. So we need those intercessors right at the heart here. And some of you, that's one of the callings that's particularly being raised up. But there are others. And so if you know what, what your kind of tributary is, you have a sense of what it is, I'd love you just to raise your hands where you are right now. I'm not going to ask you to say. And please don't anyone feel pressured to. But those who, who just have a strong sense, that's beautiful. Now if someone's got a hand up near you, would you just, just stretch out a hand towards them? And I'd love us just to lift our voice and just bless what the Holy Spirit is doing through these uh, different people, these different ministries. And by the way, often you find your vision in serving someone else's. Even in praying for some of these people now, you may start to find a release in your own life. So just let's, let's bless those who've got their hands up now. Uh, just whatever it is, if you know them, you'll have a guess at what they've got their hands up for. But if you don't know them, just bless it. Listen to the Lord. Let's just stir this up. So, Lord, we thank you that it is to the Father's glory that we bear much fruit. And I ask you, Lord, for each one of these who've got their hands up now, you know what that calling is, what that vision is. And I want to pray, Lord, you'd bring it to harvest. And where they have seen first fruits, I ask that through even pressure and time, you would create something exquisite through them, something unique to them, something beautiful and blended and rich and deep and complex. And so, Spirit of God, we just pray your blessing, your favor, and your protection on the different gifts that you're multiplying in this place. And Lord, we pray that you would fill them with your presence. Fill them with your spirit, Lord God. 
that we wouldn't do this in our own strength, but in your strength. Lord, we thank you for the business skill set. We don't want a business mindset. We want a kingdom mindset. We pray, Lord, just for an outpouring of your spirit. For it is not by might and not by power, but by my Spirit, says the Lord. And some of you with your hands up, you're you're thinking, I've been waiting so long. I've been carrying this vision so long. And God brought you here this evening to say to you, I'm walking at three miles an hour, but take my hand and we're going to get there. Simple as that. But Lord, we ask you that you would bring each of these gifts to fruition. You'd provide the resource, the team, the people, the way. And now I'd love just to pray for those for whom this message is quite painful because you're feeling the pain of waiting, longing, and you just desperately need more grace from God today to do this in His strength, to realign your relationship with your circumstances, to keep stacking dominoes. You feel like the engine's about to blow if you don't change gear. And you really need this today. And I think I really sense that for some of you, it is this particular word being bypassed. You really feel that. Just um, almost like you feel like you're in a backwater and you've been forgotten. Relationships, career, even in some of the blessings in favor of God, you've seen others that have been raised up and you're wondering, why not you? And so uh, those to whom that relates, I'm going to in a moment invite you to come forward and receive prayer. And i tell you why. We've opened a 2,000-year-old text that has told us clearly, don't do this through gritted teeth, but receive the strength of the Lord. And the only way I know to do that is just simply to ask, come Holy Spirit, renew my grace to walk at your pace. Renew my grace to embrace pressure and to believe that through this you're creating a fine wine with my life. So um, if that's you and you're saying, yeah, I need that. I need that fresh touch from the Spirit. I need that fresh strength from the Holy Spirit today. There's fruit, but I'm longing for more. I feel bypassed. I feel weak. If that's you, then just make your way down the front now and uh, we'll, we'll pray for you. And I think in a while we're just going to go into communion. But uh, those who'd like to receive prayer, just come on down to the front. Uh, and if you're in the balcony, just come on down. There's loads of time. This, this is what church does. You must understand. It's one of the beautiful things of coming together as a complex entity. Some of us come one Sunday and we're celebrating and others come and we're hurting and we bind up those who are hurting and we celebrate with those who are celebrating and as we do that we move forward together as family go deeper in relationship